Chapters three and four of Sheriff Larrabee's Prisoner by Martin Dexter, pseudonym for Max Brand. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter three. Larrabee listens. The sheriff, Henry Larrabee, jerked up his head and listened. That phone call is for me, he said instantly as the first ring ended. Two long and three shorts was the sheriff's ring on that country line, and the ring was ground out on a little crank, without summoning the assistance of a central. This first long ring was made in what might have been called a breathless fashion, the crank turning so swiftly in the middle of the motion that it produced only a rattle, not a true ring. "'Not for you, not on a night like this,' exclaimed his wife, as the good woman lifted her head and listened to the crashing of the rain against the roof. A second long ring had begun. "'It's for me, right enough,' said the sheriff, and rose to his feet. His daughter Mary rose also, staring with excitement. "'Oh, Dad, what could be happening?' "'On a night like this? Anything. Ah, oh, there it goes.' The second long ring had ended, and there followed three short rings in swift succession. The sheriff ran to the phone with great strides. "'Hello!' he called. "'Sheriff Larrabee,' said a woman's voice. "'Come quick, for there's been a murder here.' "'Who are you?' "'Mrs. Zeller! Murder! Ah!' The last word was a half-scream, and there was the sound of the telephone receiver dropping with a jerk. "'You devil!' the sheriff heard a man's voice shouting. Larrabee smashed up his own receiver. "'Judd!' he thundered. "'Chris!' His two sons answered with shouts from the upper part of the house. "'Come down to me quick. We got riding to do.' "'Henry,' breathed his wife, stammering with fear, as she ran to him. "'What is it? Where?' "'Nothing,' he answered sternly. "'Don't hang on to me. I got work. That's all. When I'm gone, call the Gloucester house and get the Gloucester boys to ride toward the Zeller place as fast as they can saddle and get under way. I'll meet them on the road. That's all. Don't ask questions. Just do what I say. Catching up his hat, he plunged from the house, the front door banging heavily behind him, at the same time that the thunder of his son's feet began on the stairs above. Within five minutes they were in the saddle and racing out onto the muddy road, for they kept their horses in a shed near the house, ready for quick saddling at any hour of the day or night. Going up the first steep hill, they could talk. "'I knew,' said Judd, "'that there'd be trouble some day at the Zeller house. What's up?' "'I don't know,' answered the father. "'Just heard a woman talking, and woman talk don't mean much usually, but it sure sounded like trouble was busted loose. Come on, lads.' They had reached the crest of the hill, and now they lurched down into the valley at a reckless gallop, the horses sliding and slipping over the mud. Turning down the valley road, they presently came in view of a fire beneath a tree, and the sheriff headed straight for it. He swung out of the saddle in front of the tramp whom Jack Montaigne had seen earlier in the night. The tramp straightened up. He had been dozing, with his head almost dropped into the flame of the fire, and blinked at the new arrivals. The stern hand of the sheriff helped him to his feet, and he stifled his yawn. "'Who are you?' asked the sheriff. "'Slim,' said the tramp. "'Some call me Mississippi Slim.' "'What else?' "'This remember being called any other name. "'You come with me, Mississippi Slim. "'Judd, take him along and follow me to the Zeller place. "'This is the kind of no things, this Slim. "'Chris, come with me. We got to ride hard.' "'What can you get out of Slim?' asked Chris, as the two spurred on through the mud. 
never can tell but if you ever step into my boots boy and get my job you want to pick up them that look like slim if there's trouble around they're most always downwind from it and they know all about what's going on they smell it before they see it and they see it before us ordinary folks dream it he concluded with a brief admonition if gus zeller is mixed up in this killin' or whatever it is that we're movin' toward and we come across him armed don't waste no time arguin if he shows fight shoot and shoot to kill handle him the way you'd handle a dog he ain't no better much he had no chance to say more for now they came to the house where lights were burning in half of the windows the sheriff's son was for a careful approach the sheriff however scoffed at such an idea and advancing to the kitchen door he cast it open and stepped into the presence of gus zeller and his mother there was no need to fear gus zeller he was a white-faced trembling wreck of a man shrinking against the wall his mother was ten times more formidable her eyes were gleaming her hands clenched and her whole attitude that of one ready to fight a great battle you sure come slow she said to larrabee come upstairs and you'll find it there was something so ominous in that last syllable that even the sheriff time hardened by contact with crime and criminals was a trifle shocked as she took up the lamp he swung in behind her first ordering gus zeller to follow close to his mother the order threw gus into a sudden panic but what have i got to do with it he asked tremulously i didn't do it i swear i didn't do it sheriff i'm not saying you did said the sheriff disgusted by such cringing but you step along i want to keep you under my eye gus skulked into line glancing fearfully behind as if anticipating a kick they hurried up the stairs the woman exclaiming eagerly you gotta hurry sheriff he left in a rush and he'll be riding like a fiend all night every minute counts when you're trailing a gent like him like who asked the sheriff i'll tell you about him after you see what he's done they had hurried up to the floor of the second story of the house and now they went straight behind mrs zeller into the room directly opposite the head of the stairs they passed through a broken door it had been splintered exactly in the center and both halves were still attached the one by its hinges and the other by the lock mrs zeller placed the lamp on the table near the center of the room there she exclaimed dramatically stepping back nothing ain't been touched there you are they looked past her and saw within the bright circle cast by the lamp the figure of old mr benton lying on his back both hands were caught up to his breast and he lay in a crimson pool that had run from a great wound in his head the sheriff's son gasped turned sick and caught at the wall for support but the sheriff himself showed not the slightest emotion he merely leaned over the body saying never knowed he was that tall never saw the old codger straightened out before now you've seen said mrs zeller shrilly and now go get him how long ago did he leave only forty minutes by the clock i've been watching for you to come and watching the clock and thinking you'd never come but he ain't that far through the mud forty minutes asked the sheriff and he suddenly lost all eagerness well let's hear about this get over here will you the last words were a savage roar and they jerked gus away from the door toward which he had been sneaking he stood back against the wall shuddering and his eyes twitched nervously from face to face there ain't no call to talk to gus like that said mrs zeller he didn't do nothing 
perhaps not said the sheriff and maintaining his aggravating calm he produced a cut of chewing tobacco and worked off a comfortable bite between his front teeth say dad broke in his son you ain't going to stand around while he gets away you talk less and listen more said his father sagely and you cotton on to this before you start following a trail find out where it leads now mrs eller what happened he came here and, and made us began the woman who's he wouldn't give no name that kind never do just said he was jack but mr benton knew right off the minute he laid eyes on him that jack was no good and he said so right to his face well jack come and knocked open our kitchen door and asked for a meal and a bed i didn't like the looks of him but when i told him there weren't nothing for him here he pulled a gun and started ordering us around ain't that right gus every single word said the truthful gus rolling his eyes leave gus out and talk to me afterward mr benton come down like he mostly always does to say a word or two to us before he goes to bed him knowing that we're about the only friends he has in the world the sheriff was now walking around the room carelessly examining every corner of it mrs zeller followed him a pace or two in every direction he took raising her voice when he was far away lowering it slightly when he was close he seen jack as i was saying and jack seen him and while benton was talking jack found out that the old man kept a pile of money in his chest in his room you knew that did you asked the sheriff his back turned does it mean anything my knowing it asked mrs eller go on finally after mr benton left and jack got through eating he ate like he hadn't had food for a couple of days jack went up to bed and he wouldn't be suited with nothing but gus's own room right next to mr benton's room gus come downstairs afterwards i don't like to look to him says gus nor his ways says i i'm going to sit up a while says gus till jack turns out his light so we done it we turned down the lamp in the kitchen so it didn't make no light just a glooming through the room then we waited and waited all at once we heard a scream quick as a flash gus jumps to his feet i've been waiting for just that he said and starts running up the stairs with me after him are you sure he went first asked the sheriff sure he did ain't he the man of the house mm, go on said larrabee dryly gus tried the door and it was locked he took a run and broke the door open you see and there he found mr benton lying poor soul with the chest open and the papers gone and everything all ruffled up just the way you see nothing ain't been touched not a thing is touched chef since we first seen it the chest in the corner of the room indeed was open and a confusion of papers tumbled in it and on the floor around it and then the door of jack's room opens and out he comes rubbing his eyes like he'd just waked up as though he could have slept through all that noise what's all the racket about he says well he knew the murderer look here she led the way to the window below it was the roof of the veranda that wound around the side of the house opposite was another window that window yonder opens into jack's room where he was supposed to sleep the liar what he done was to slip out of that window of his room and walk right across the roof and open this window and come in he had first throttled the old man you see she advanced to the body and leaning about it pointed to some discolorations on the throat there was something hideous in this eagerness something unnatural for her sex she was giving the scent of jack montaigne to the bloodhounds 
"'But the old boy died hard,' went on Mrs. Zeller, stepping back again. "'He wasn't dead when Jack finished the throttling. He come to life.' got his breath and let out the screech that i heard down below and near stopped my heart beating the sheriff in the meantime went to the window leading on to the roof and tried it it opened frictionlessly and without sound under the lift of his hand he turned nodding and marked the last of mrs eller's words with more apparent interest and when he screeched jack who was getting the money out of the chest turned round and hit him over the head with a chunk of wood from the fireplace there it is by the open hearth of the fireplace there was a pile of cut wood each piece well over two feet in length but one of these pieces lay in the middle of the floor an ugly stain splotched about its sharp edge you sure he got the money asked the sheriff there ain't a cent in the chest she exclaimed look for yourself the way i done i thought you didn't touch anything he asked sharply are you gonna lay the stealin' on me what did jack do then asked the sheriff when he seen the body he tried to act surprised but me and gus drew back and looked at him he tried to talk the thing off but we just kept lookin pretty soon he run out of the room next thing we knew he was jumpin downstairs he didn't hit more'n twice all the way to the bottom outdoors he went and the next minute he was tearin down the road on his hoss ridin west thanks said the sheriff what did he look like good-lookin but mean about five eleven dark straight-lookin eyes dark hair about thirty years old or less gray around the temples rides a gray hoss gus went out and seen it in the barn after jack went to bed or after he was in his room that's all i can think about except that he looked like a killer mr benton said so right to his face hmm said the sheriff and raised his eyebrows wait a minute he added here comes the boys chapter four larrabee wins his bet he went to the door and called down there was a sound of horses snorting in the rainfall outside and presently a cluster of five men climbed the stairs in answer to the call the three gloucester boys came first they had answered with all speed the summons from the house of the sheriff behind them came mississippi slim with his guard the sheriff greeted the gloucester boys with a word of thanks for their promptness we got a bad ride ahead of us he said this is the work the gent we're after done he pointed to the body of benton and the man that done it had taken the west road we'll start right away chris you stay here and keep everybody out of this room now wait a minute he turned and eyed mississippi slim the latter was moving stealthily about the room with his head thrust forward and bent low he was oddly like a sniffing dog slim called the sheriff slim whirled as if at the sound of a shot he had been leaning over the chest full of papers you had your fire near the road see anybody passin tonight slim raised one finger what was he like bad lookin on a gray hoss know anything about him no did he say anything nothin much talk out slim what did he say asked me why i didn't come down here and get a hand out in a bed i said it couldn't be done cause the lady don't waste no time on gents that was wandering on the road looking for work here mrs zeller snorted her contempt but this gent on the gray hoss allowed as he'd get a hand out in a bunk said he'd see if he couldn't get treated right did he come on to this house then i don't know you didn't follow him follow him let my fire go out slim shook his head in wonder at such a thought the sheriff turned on gus 
That door was locked when you came up? Yep, sure was, and I busted it in, he said defiantly. Ask Ma if I didn't. Where's the key? I don't know. I didn't look for it. Look on the floor, said the sheriff, himself joining the search. Whether that door was locked from the inside or the outside makes a pile of difference. The floor of the hall and the floor of the room revealed no key. The sheriff desisted from the search and gave his final directions. You stay here, Chris, and you hold Slim. Why? asked Slim. What I got to do with all this killin'? You're a material witness. You'll get Chuck and a free bunk. Ain't that good enough for you? We got good enough bunks to suit anybody in the jail. Jail! Slim exclaimed, his rat eyes jerked from face to face and then became fixed on the floor while a violent shiver ran through his meager body. But he said no more. And get in touch with the coroner. Tell him to get his men down here first thing, went on the sheriff to Chris. We'll hit the trail, boys. Now that he's clean gone, put in Mrs. Zeller malevolently. The sheriff turned on her with a mild and curious glance, but the effect of it was to make her wince and change color. Then the men passed on out of the room. The Gloucester boys, Pete and Bob and Jerry, were first in the saddle, with Judd Larrabee and his father following after. But as the former started down the road to the west, the sheriff called him back. "'Where are you going?' he asked. "'Why, follow the trail, I guess. You think he went that way?' "'Why not? If he's got any sense at all, he knows that Mrs. Zeller's seen the way he started, and the first thing he'll do is to switch off.' "'Which way, then?' "'What'd you see?' asked the sheriff. "'Look around, through the rain. What'd you see?' The storm had fallen away to a faint misting, but still it blanketed the landscape. Indeed, nothing could have been visible had it not been for the high-riding moon that was itself unseen, but served to outline the rain-clouds in varying shades of deep gray and black. "'Don't see nothing,' said the sheriff's son, "'except the mountains yonder. I can just make them out.' then said the sheriff complacently that's where he's gone and we'll go the same way chris his other son came a pace closer start using that telephone said his father get boomtown and tell the central there to spread the description of jack around get old miller in boomtown too and tell him to get to work talkin that's the best thing he does anyway good-bye boy once under way he made up for his seeming inactivity in the house of the zellers he was a heavier weight than the younger men, and his horse, an old buckskin campaigner, was inferior in speed to the mount of the rest, and yet, before they had gone half a mile, the sheriff was in the lead, pushing his horse along with such skill that it seemed he could sense through the dark the obstacles that came in his way. Where the others floundered six times, the wise-footed buckskin slipped once. The first excitement wore off with the posse, too, but the sheriff seemed to be spurred on by a steady and unflagging interest that kept his head high and his eyes straining on through the dark. The gray of dawn, which found them in the foothills, following trails that began to wind with the contours of the land, discovered the sheriff as agile of eye as ever, and cheerfully examining the hills and the trees as they passed along. The others awakened also as the day began. A freshening north wind chopped the sheeted storm clouds into thin drifts that served to shut the sun out, but allowed most of its light to sift through. 
in this invigorating air the sleepless quintet kept on until presently the sheriff raised his hand now he said i figure it's about time for us to look about his followers had been very prone to beat up every thicket along the way and they were quite disgusted by the careless methods of their guide and leader to their minds a thousand men might have hidden along the way and laughed as the posse went by on a wild goose chase the sheriff had chosen to stop on the top of a bare hill with a bare country all around him why waste time here they conveyed their ideas bluntly and immodestly the more so since the sheriff scratched the stubble on his chin a far-away look in his eyes while they talked and seemed to be almost persuaded at every other word what he said at length was are you hungry boys sure was the chorus so's jack said the sheriff his followers glanced at one another in disgust and judd larrabee flushed with shame certainly the old man was growing old and simple he glared defiantly at the gloucester boys but it certainly was a very foolish remark this reference to the appetite of jack what had that to do with a man-hunt the appetite of the hunted he's hungry said the leader and most like he smelled the bacon coming up in smoke yonder there was three or four streaks of smoke in view very dimly perceptible against the gray of the sky nothing like the sight of smoke to make a gent uncommon hungry went on the sheriff let's start on urged his son uncomfortably we can talk on the way on the way to what asked his father gently let's make that out first that's what i'd like to know burst out judd looks to me like we're all wrong who'd ride this way clean out into the open if he was hunting shelter maybe he wouldn't said the sheriff it's just my guess but if you don't do no guessin you don't catch no men at the end of the trail i figure jack pictures us ridin hard along the west trail he's come up here to the hills he's got a lot of hours ahead of us he's thinkin so he comes over the hill here with a ragin tearin hunger and he can't help stoppin to eat now first thing is where'd he go to eat there's the biggest smoke yonder said judd very miserable but striving to seem as if he took his father seriously all the time he was wretchedly conscious of the smiles of the gloucester boys that's the biggest smoke admitted the sheriff and that's the one he wouldn't go to that little house over the hill would be the place that a gent would run for unless he was professional and had done murders before ain't that just what he is asked pete gloucester ain't that what benton called him at sight a murderer no he called jack a killer there's a pile of difference jack's an amateur what sure he turned his trick before he made sure the other folks was in bed he took a room in the house when he could have pretended he had to keep on his way and so he could have ridden off and come back and done the job with nobody knowing nope jack's an amateur killers don't pick out old men jack needed money and needed it bad he started to get it he choked the old man not with no pleasure but because it had to be done and then when the old boy screeched he picked up a piece of wood and batted him over the head that was just plain clumsy why a professional wouldn't have trusted to choking he'd have used a touch of the knife nothing like a knife for neat silent work and dead men don't come back to life and start hollering so i think jack's an amateur for that and other reasons and being an amateur i'll just lay you boys even that he's in that little old house over the hills yonder or has been there 
I'll take it for twenty, said Jerry Gloucester instantly. And me, chimed in Pete and Bob. Then the cavalcade started forward at a gallop toward the house. They dipped over the hill and came upon a wretched little cottage leaning up the slope. A woman came to the door at their call, wiping her hands on her apron. "'Mornin,' called the sheriff. "'We're trying to catch up with our pal, that gent on the gray hoss that was here a while back. Which way'd he go?' "'Right on over the hill there,' she answered, pointing. "'Funny he didn't say nothing about the rest of you coming along, though.' Oh, "'We got a surprise party for him, in a way of speaking,' said the sheriff. "'How long ago did he start?' Mm, "'About half an hour.' "'Thanks.' With a glance the sheriff gathered up his posse, and they started on. The silence behind Henry Larrabee was a tremendous thing. It set him smiling, as he rode to the top of that hill to which the woman had pointed. There he drew rain again. Below, lower hills tumbled this way and that, but the landscape was empty of all signs of a rider. "'By the way,' said the sheriff, "'that bet we made a while back. I forgot that I don't bet that way.' "'I sure ain't going to be let off that easy,' said Pete Gloucester generously. "'I was getting to think that I knowed more new, Sheriff, and I'm getting off cheap at twenty dollars' worth. Besides, why don't you bet?' "'It don't pay, somehow,' said the Sheriff, "'to win money out of the life of another man, even if he's a murderer.'" End of chapter 4